Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation. Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast. I'm again joined by Andy from GPS Training. Welcome, Andy, to this month's GPS Training Podcast. Hello. It's our 90th edition, Andy. Wowza. 90. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought? All those years ago, when we started our first podcast, we were recording our 90th. Just think, in 10 months' time, it would be our 100th edition. Yeah, we're going to have a bottle of champagne while we do the 100th. You'll be drinking again then, won't you? teetotal, though, at the minute. Teetotal, but in 10 months' time. Oh, right, sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course, be. yes, we do. <laughs> we don't have to think we do one a week. Yeah. No. One a month. One a month, so, yeah, our centenary. That'd be a good one, that one, won't it? Yeah. So, Andy, um, have you been up to much over the last month? Anything exciting to tell about? It's been a bit wet and miserable, as people know, with this storm, so I haven't done as much as I would have liked. I'm sure when we did the last podcast, I was about to do the Kielder Half Marathon, or had I done it? I no, I hadn't done it. No, I don't think so. Kielder so. Half Marathon, that was good. Mm-hmm. Enjoyable, off and off, off-road half marathon. I normally do things like the Great North Run, so it was nice to run through trees and on trails wasn't there a drama that here wasn't there did somebody cheat this wasn't, year no, it wasn't cheating they always get the wrong number they, yeah, they ran on somebody else's they number they don't like people swapping numbers for health and safety so I think one of the winners was someone who had swapped a number with someone who couldn't do it so they don't so it like wasn't that. the right person so they didn't cheat to be honest they, 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 they did a good run but unfortunately they can't be classed as winning it because it was someone else's number which you're not allowed to because many years ago on the Kielder Marathon, there was somebody who caught the bus, wasn't they there? They hopped on a bus so far around. That was the full That was the full marathon, so I did the half marathon. Not, I'm not quite a marathon. There's no buses yet. on your side. There's no buses on my side. So. <laughs> but yeah, no, I've done that, and then I've been in the Lake District doing a course, uh, which despite the wet weather we've had for a pleasant change, we had a bit of rain, it was actually very sunny as well, cold, but the sun was shining for a change for me in the Lake District. I did see a comment, because Andy sends me pictures over and I, I populate the social media, so I populate the picture, another great day in the in the Lake District GPS training, and one of your customers who was on the course comments is it looks very, very nice, but it was cold. Yeah, it was, good. It was a cool day, but it was nice not to have... We got a little bit of rain, but luckily, most the times when it was raining, we were inside the village hall doing the classroom work, and we just got really lucky that by the time we went outside, the sun was shining, um, Every, each time we went outside, just it was very, it was cold. It was and cold. judging since then, where it's rained every day since, we were very, very lucky, weren't we? So, on this month's GPS training podcast, the four things, or the three, four things we're going to be discussing are the Etrex SC, seven months on. Then we're going to discuss our GPS in the Hills course, uh, which our last one is actually, we're actually recording this on Thursday, and it's going to come out the middle of next week, which is the first of the month. So by the time the podcast comes out, we will have finished the last GPS in the Hills course of the year. But we have actually got next year's dates in store, so we're discussing what that is and how people can uh, get themselves booked onto that. And then we're going to discuss a base camp, connect and explore which and for what scenario. So we're going to very much work this alongside a Garmin GPS unit and discuss which app or which program you should be using in and in which scenario you should be using it. And then finally, we have Andy's top tips. So the first thing on this month's GPS training podcast is Garmin eTrex SE, seven months on. Now, I don't know how he's looked at his notes, but when I was just 
putting this together this morning. It was launched on the same time as another GPS unit, Andy. Can you yeah. remember what GPS unit it was launched at alongside? Of course I can, GPS Map 67. <laughs> you see, I've lost that from my mind. I kind of looked away. Was it really released yeah, on the same time? Yeah. together. I remember the pictures showing them uh, alongside each other. Yeah. So last month we discussed the 67, 67i, seven months on. So I thought bringing the E-Trex SE, seven months on. Um, Coming in at just £149.99, it is a real budget GPS unit. So, well, over to you, Andy. What did it replace? And, yeah, what did it replace? And do you think it's replaced it? And where does it kind of sit currently in the yeah. world of outdoor so GPS units? The when we say what's it replaced, it's a hard one, really, because it's got a monochrome screen, a black and white screen. So Garmin, in the last... 10, 12 years have only done one unit with a monochrome screen, which was the E-Trex 10. We always um, look at the E-Trex range as a range that had a little joystick. Um, so this one doesn't have a joystick. It's button control, but no little joystick. And it is, an, it is classed as an E, they call it an E-Trex SE. So it's in the E-Trex range. So because it's got the black and white screen, of course we say it's replaced the E-Trex 10, which came out, oh, that must have been over 10 years ago, the E-Trex yeah, 10 mm -hmm. came out. So when I first started writing an article that we've just done, we've just done actually an in-depth review, which I'm sure we'll mention whereabouts that is on our website. I looked at um, the start of the review was, is this as good or is this better than, you know, has it replaced the E-Trex 10? What do we think? And then I looked at all the new features and it literally is. And I put them right at the top of my review. I've got them in front of me, not that I'd actually forget them, but they're quite in-depth, but it is literally new, 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 new. There's about six or seven bullet points at the top of the review. So I'll just run through some of the new things so it gives you an idea of what's been added. So when we say it's a replacement, yes, it's got the black and white screen. That's about you. And it's a GPS device. And it's yellow. <laughs> and it's yellow. Other than that, really, it's... It's just so much different. I couldn't agree more. I think it's completely different. And the interface and anything else that we've got, it's so different. So good, I'm sorry, you yeah. jump into your... Yeah. So, I mean, what stayed the same is the monochrome screen. So it's trying to keep that simplicity where you don't want a unit necessarily with maps on. I'm going to come back with some great tips on where we can utilise something that, in theory, gives us some maps. But let's treat it as a simple unit with a black and white screen, um, which is what the E-Trex 10 had. It's a handheld GPS device that's going to show you moving across a screen. It'll give you a ordnance survey, a grid reference or grid reference for different position formats for different countries. You can mark waypoints. You can track back to the start of an activity. You can send routes to it to follow as a black line. Really, that's about it. And it's robust. It's tough. It's waterproof. It's a compact unit. That's really the only similarities to me to... The original unit, and this one actually works with two AA batteries as well, so it's still two AA batteries. But if we go on to the new things, we've got new multi-GNSS support. So whereas the old unit picked up GPS and GLONASS satellites, this one actually picks up five sets of satellites. So it's improving accuracy, speed of satellite lock, and um, what more, you know... It's brilliant. So we've got basically GPS and GLONASS that the original one had, but it now adds in Galileo, QZSS and Beidou. So much better satellite signal. So is that making it one of the most accurate units currently on the market then? Is it doesn't accurate? have the dual frequency. Okay. So to be honest, I see it's, it's, it's along the lines of all the new generation ones 
um, without the dual frequency. I've seen it sitting at around 10 foot accuracy. It's me, to be honest, sometimes with the E-Trex 10, you could get it down to nearly 10 foot accuracy, mm -hmm. but I just find it so much quicker locking on. And I do find it's sometimes we get head up on the an, a figure, oh, is yours 10 foot, mine's 11 foot, etc. To me, it's the whole journey. It's the whole activity you do. How does it record that track? That's where I've seen the big improvement. So actually the physical, just sitting and looking at a figure, it's not loads better on paper when you look at it than say the E-Trex 10, but it's how quick it gets the signal and the actual whole journey with it seems so much better. So that's the first thing for me, new multi-GNS support, picking up the five satellites. Battery life next. I've Garmin had these in a different order on their spec sheet. I've changed the order to how I like what I'm seeing. The priorities you know. of it. Yeah. Battery life. The battery life on the original one was about 25 hours with a good set of AA batteries. I know you can get different quality AA batteries. This unit is quoting 168 hours with two sets of AA batteries. And all I can say to you is, I mean, I haven't, I'm not using it all the time. I've got my own unit. You know what I'm like, I buy all the things from work. I already had a 67, but as a backup, and my daughter uses this one as well. That's hence having two units. But I've had one set of AA lithium batteries in it since August when I was up in Scotland, up in the top end of Scotland, doing some geocaching with my daughter on a trip away. And it's had the same set of batteries in since August. We're now into October. Now, don't look, it hasn't been, I wish I'd taken a tally of how many times it's been on what it's done, but it has been on a lot. And I'm still showing like virtually full bars of battery. So the battery life to me is just brilliant. I don't know how it can go from 25 hours to 168 hours with all the new added features. There's something happening. The world of Garmin, they've suddenly, I don't know, something's happened that they've managed to improve the battery life across the board on the newer units. By, by the it's the electronics in the way it's drawn the current. It's not, you know, because at the end of the day, it's taken two AA batteries. So if I take a set of two, let's use the lithium ones, two decent quality lithium batteries and put it in an E-Trex 10 and I get 25 hours. I'm putting the same batteries yeah. in this unit and potentially getting 168 hours. We're not changing the battery type. It's just the way the unit works. And bear in mind this one, actually there's one thing I did think about. This one's picking up five sets of satellites and someone asked me on a course recently, um, does that not mean it uses more battery? And it got me thinking, you know what, I, I sleep thinking about these things 24 seven. I thought, well, actually if a unit's picking up less satellites, and then it's got a weaker signal in an area where you've got deep tree coverage. It's struggling to pick up satellites potentially because it can only pick up two sets. So it's, I thought, is it not using more battery trying to pick up the satellites? Whereas a unit that's got five sets of satellites that in theory can pick up doesn't use as much energy. I don't know if there's, it's maybe me just... It makes sense because we used yeah. to always say when people say, oh, the battery's not performing very well. It was often they were playing with it indoors and this kind of thing, struggling to get a satellite signal would drain the batteries. Yeah. Where what you're rightly saying is actually if something can log onto a satellite, it's Much quicker, it's using less battery. Yeah. Less battery I'm sure there's other things as well. So that's the second thing, new improved battery life. The next one for me, which uh, it's such an improvement to me, it might mean a lot to some people, but when I explain how it works, it's got new digital compass, a three-axis electronic compass. So with the older E-Trex 10, and it's the same with the 20 range and the E-Trex range, if you're standing still, the unit doesn't know which way you're heading. As you start moving, and you, even at a slow walking pace, the unit turns to the way you're heading. But with the old E-Trex 10, if you had 
a course on it so a route on it so you have that black line in front of you you're, you're looking ahead yep i need to go ahead here you're coming up to a turn in the path and you stop the map page would tend to bounce around it didn't know which way you were heading but with the e-trex mse it has a three axis electronic compass so when you're standing still the map still lines up so you haven't got a color map a map as such but the actual route that you're following is lined up correctly so that, that is a big bonus for me. And it's something we we haven't found on budget GPS units in the past. So the old E-Trex used to have not have an electronic compass. So the E-Trex 22X, which is the next one up, yeah. doesn't. And then the 32X mm-hmm. is the first one with it. And even the 65 GPS map 65 doesn't have an electronic compass. Yeah. So to find this unit for £150 that does, yeah. as you say, I think... Like, I couldn't imagine life without an electronic computer. It's a three-axis as well, so yeah. that means you can tilt it up or flat. Yeah. Some of the going past yeah. the E-Trex 10s and 20s, the older E-Trexes that we used to get, I'm remembering some of the names that we used to get, things like the Venture, the and Vista, Vista, things like that. Yeah. Now, I know that some of those models did have an electronic compass, but it was a two-axis, so you had to hold the unit flat. Yeah. But this one's a three-axis compass. The only thing I've found with the unit, I think the compass is a bit more sensitive than some of the other units that have got the electronic compass. So I find you're better with this one, calibrating the compass every time you go out with it, which only takes, you know, a minute to do, you know. So I found it works better if you do calibrate it each time you turn it on. So next one, I don't know, the the more I've thought about it, I could have put this one near the top, to be honest, because it's hard to decide what's your favourite thing. And this has become more and more, which I know we're going to talk about a little bit later, um, my more favourite thing with the unit. It works with the Garmin Explore app. So the big thing for me, think well, what's so impressive about it works with an app on all of well, all of that E-Trex range, the E-Trex 10, the 22s, the 32s, the E-Trex 20s and 30s, you need a computer to send a GPX file, a route to track to the unit. So you always need a computer USB connection. This unit uses the Garmin Explore app. You don't actually, you don't tend to, you wouldn't normally plug this one into a computer. So you literally, with an app on your smartphone, um, you can import GPX routes from websites that you've got on your phone and simply transfer them over to the unit using Bluetooth. No computer needed. And that's really the first port of call, isn't it? So really with this unit, you've got to think you are going to use it alongside your mobile phone or a tablet the majority of the time. Yeah. Right? Yeah, when I've finished the last few of the new features, I'll go in a bit more detail about the big thing that I've sort of discovered by using it a little bit more the last month or so with the app where I've, I've learned things I hadn't really thought about doing with it. So I'll come back to that. But yeah, so to me, being able to send stuff without needing a computer is brilliant. And I, I maybe should have put that higher up the, the pecking list. Um, the next one is live geocaching. I, I do geocaching with all my units. I like geocaching. I take my daughter out geocaching. And what we mean by live geocaching is rather than having to plug it into a computer to put geocaches on, you now... When you look at the live geocaching on this, I see it as a way as a starter for someone who's maybe very new to geocaching and not something they do all the time and they want to give it a try. You set up a free geocaching account at geocaching.com. It's like an electronic treasure hunt where basically that it's a grid reference in your unit that you're trying to find a, a, a hidden container to sign a document to say you found it. It's the fun of trying, you know, they're, hidden, they're really well hidden. Can you find it? You get hints and tips. Now, with the live geocaching, initially you have it paired with your phone now your phone needs mobile data initially and the way it works is wherever you're standing with the unit with the satellite signal you can download in under a minute 
the 25 closest geocaches <coughs> excuse me to where you are um, once you've downloaded them, you can turn off your phone. You don't need the mobile data, but you do need the mobile data initially to get them on. Now, you can only do the 25 of where you are. If you then move somewhere four or five miles away and want another 25 and your phone didn't have mobile data, of course, it, it's using the mobile data to download them. You can't download them. So the only downside I found is where you're standing with some of the other units that do live geocaching, you can actually say, I'll move the map somewhere 20 miles away and download some. I'll move the map 20 miles away and download some. Where this unit is just the 25 where you are if you use that live geocaching. Now, I'm just going to test your, test your knowledge here, Andy. So with other units that utilise live geocaching, does that not work through the Connect app, does it? Where this one works through the Explore app, because yeah. it doesn't work with the Connect app. Yeah. So, so the other, other one... units, sorry, the other units do work with the, yeah. with the Connect app, don't the other, the other units, you have it paired with the... Um, so the other units are things like a GPS Map 67, GPS Map 66, Montana 700. You pair it with this app called the Connect app, and when it's paired and you've got mobile data on your phone, you can download the live geocaches. I think the main difference is because the other units actually have physical maps on them, they've got colour screens, you can then move the map somewhere else 20 mile away and say, now download the 25 closest to this point, move it a bit further away and get them all on. Now, I don't want that to sound as a negative thing no. because anyone out there who is geocaching and, you know, you might have a premium account and be downloading much bigger amounts and what they call geocaching lists and things because you've got a premium account. You, even though I said you don't need a computer for this, if you have got a computer, you can still plug this into a computer and use the Garmin Express program and download geocaches in the traditional way using Garmin. It's Garmin Express we use now. And you could download a um, pocket query that has unzip a pocket query, transfer it onto the unit as a GPX file using a USB cable and a computer and then have 500 geocaches on it or whatever, you know. But this is a nice way for someone who's out and about, haven't got any on the unit, they've just maybe signed up for a free geocaching account pair it with the garmin explore app and within a couple of minutes you can have the 25 closest geocaches on the unit so that's how that works and then number seven on the list andy um, so the last one's really um active weather um so i suppose if you want to say smart features on the unit when you've got it paired with the explore app on your phone and your phone's initially got mobile data it'll pull some weather data onto the unit where you get you know the temperatures coming up for the next 24 hours i think it's even the next week it has the temperatures wind speeds information like that you've got information about the moon what the moon's doing sunset and sunrise um, you do get alerts actually come through from your phone as well. That's not actually on my list, but that's part of the smart feature. So the active weather, the moon data, the sunset, sunrise, which to be honest, I think that was on the older units. But you actually, if there's any alerts come through on your phone, now the only downside, I did put this in my review, if I would have liked anything added. Now, I didn't want to go too over the top because it's a budget unit. We could go on, add this, add that, and then it's not the budget unit anymore. But it's a shame it didn't have a, a tone sound or a vibration so there's no tone or vibration so if you do get an alert come through from your phone it stays on the screen i forgot i should have counted it you know it's more than just a few seconds but even if it was like 20 seconds it then clears and then unless you go into that screen to look at notifications you can't see that someone's just messaged you on your phone so i don't but i wouldn't buy this type of unit for that it's just so you know yeah. that it is there um High contrast display, I'm surprised I didn't put that higher up the list. So when you're viewing this in sunlight, now to be honest, the Etrex 10 I never really had an issue with. This one's got basically the same size screen, but the pixels are a lot higher. 
and with the pixels being higher and it's got what they call a higher contrast level when you're viewing it in sunlight or sunlight or not sunlight, just a normal day it's dead clear to see so even though it's quite a small screen with it just being black and white black against the sort of um light background it's really easy to read stuff on it um, and the higher contrast display does help that Brilliant. So those are the seven key new features that are on this unit. So I'll quickly summarise multi-GNSS support, the improved battery life, digital compass, the Garmin Explore app working alongside that, live geocaching, which is enabled by the Garmin Explore app, um, and then active weather, and then that high contrast display. So that was kind of the order priority that Andy kind of thought was the key thing. So moving on to real-world experience, a massive amount of time for this, but roughly, like, oh, what are the key features that you really makes this stand up amongst the yeah i'm gonna say against all the units really in the market basically it's quite a different yeah. gps so for me you know in a nutshell it's easy um it's as a backup unit it'll give you an accurate satellite reference of where you are grid reference sorry so you can cross refer it quickly with a paper map really accurate as a backup, you can record where you walk, you get all the stats, the figures, where you've walked, which is useful. I know all devices tend to do that. You can do a nice simple track back. So in an emergency, you get someone go, ah, I need to get back to the start. I've taken a few wrong turns here. I, I can't remember where I started from. It's a dead easy, clear black line to follow. Um, but the big one for me that I've only started using in the last few weeks is when you pair it with the Garmin Explore app, with the Garmin Explore app, you can download maps to it for all over the world for free. The Garmin's topoactive maps, they're getting more detailed all the time. <coughs> Excuse me, not as detailed as Ordnance Survey maps that we use in the UK, but it's a free map. Now, when you put it on your phone, off and download them, that means your phone doesn't need a connection to see the maps. The next thing is, and I hadn't even realised it was doing this, on the app, if you say, sync your current activity with the device, Anything you do on the device, whether you navigating to a geocache, you've sent a route to the device to, to navigate with, um, anything like that, it then syncs with the map on the phone and that data is transferred to the phone. Now, you don't have to do that. You can have your phone turned off. But if your phone's turned on and you've got the app paired, you can actually see your route then appears on a map. Now, I know it's not as detailed as an Ordnance Survey map, but it means just to look at it for backup every now and then. We, of course, the whole idea of using a device like this, the battery's going to last forever. It's tough, it's waterproof, you can drop it. We don't want to be walking along with our phone alongside it. But what it also does, which I hadn't even thought about, and I tested this just to be 100%, I put my phone in aeroplane mode and then turned Bluetooth back on. So it had aeroplane mode, but no mobile data. All it had was Bluetooth on. And the map app then took the location from the GPS device. So the little blue triangle of you moving across the screen on the app across a map was taken from the GPS signal of the device. So that's really saving battery on your phone. And all I found is just every now and then, just to check on a map, I would open up the app, even if I just looked at it for 30 seconds or a minute, and I could see exactly my route line in front on a map and see myself moving on a map and then just go back to the e-trex to follow in the normal way we would with this type of device, the black line and your black triangle moving over the line. So, so to be honest, it's, I'm, I'm just thinking how this kind of works is, let, let me go, me, simple me, let's go all the way back to basics is, we're going to either plan our route on a 
free route planning software, either our free route planning software or the OS app or download a GPX file. Yeah. We then will transfer this via the Explore app to our GPX. Yeah, so I tend to email me. Email. If I've created a route, I'll, if, if I've done it on a computer, on some detailed maps, um, if I haven't done it on a computer, it's already on my phone anyway, but if not, I just email, email it to Email it to it, open up in the Explore app, sync yeah. that with it, and then we would go for a walk with it. Tr- proper navigation. So like we were following arrow on the screen. I always say to our customers on the courses, the majority of the time you follow an arrow on the screen, if the arrow is pointing in the wrong direction, you tend on a color screen GPS, you <clears throat> jump onto the map page and work out why it's doing that. What you're rightly saying is actually follow the arrow on the screen, more than likely and you'll just follow the arrow. But if the arrow is pointing in the wrong direction, you could then bring out your mobile phone, have a look on the app, yeah. and you've got a basic map that you could then work out if you've missed yeah. a turning, if, if the waypoint's just slightly off or something like that. So you really actually got the best of yeah. both worlds for no, not a yeah. large amount of money. I mean, there's you? two last things I'll say on the app that I discovered that, again, I hadn't thought about. There's an exercise we often do on courses called a tap and go or a go-to where the customers who have got a map on the GPS, the mark's somewhere further ahead. You imagine it's foggy, misty, snowy on the ground. You can't see the path in front of you, but you can see it on your GPS device and they haven't got a route on the device. They tap a point on that path before it turns left or right so they don't miss a turn and then the the gps unit draws a line to it and then they potentially just use the pointer with the distance counting down on a black and white unit like this that has no maps on the screen you've got nothing to tap or mark on the screen but if you go to the app again you don't need any mobile data on your phone tap on the map now the only doubt it's not as detailed as an ordnance survey map so you're not necessarily going to see the same paths and trails but there are paths on there you tap on the map on the app and say i need to go to this point before it turns left i don't want to go into the stream or something as soon as you say go it then syncs it across with bluetooth onto the it'll be the ant plus it's using the garmin's uh, own uh, like bluetooth version and, and then it appears on the screen of your gps at the black line to follow with the distance so that's brilliant um, the other thing just to make uh, to make people aware of, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later as well when we talk about the apps and that, the Explore app, if you've already got, you, you basically put folders in it, a bit like Garmin's Basecamp software with all your different routes in, if they're already in the Explore app or you've got them on your phone somewhere and suddenly you realise they're not on the device, you don't need mobile data to transfer them across. I know you might think, well, why are you, why are you even mentioning that? When we get into the other apps we talk yeah. about later, some other apps actually need mobile data to sync something across because it's stored in like a cloud, even though you think when it's in the app, it's not actually on your phone. So one thing with the Explore app, as long as you've already got that root in a folder or it's somewhere on your phone to put it into the app, you don't need mobile data to transfer it to the device. Good. Right, I'm just quickly looking at the article, um, the fantastic article online. I'm not just saying this. Um, is, is if you go to our website, which is gpstrainer.co.uk, click on product reviews at the top, and Andy's done the article, Garmin Etrex SE. It's a really in-depth review, but have a look at the pictures as well. He's done some really good pictures um, in the in the glorious rain of the northeast of England. Of you using it in the rain. Looking at those key screens that Andy's just been talking about, looking at the app alongside it, looking at the map alongside it as well. Some really nice um, imagery, Great um, detailed descriptions about what we've been discussing, and it's it's a cracking, it's a really good article, Andy. So I, I think it's 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 good. It talks about your route planning, transferring it over, you know how geocaching pictures of live geocaching, this kind of thing. Absolutely fantastic. So, quick conclusion: if you're looking for a unit on a budget that is accurate, got long battery, 
and loads of flexibility as in being able, you know not needing a computer and the fact that yes it hasn't got maps but all of a sudden you've got these free maps all over the world that you can pair with a phone and we're not trying to advocate oh yeah use your phone and run your battery down you're just using it every now and then just doing a quick compare to look on the phone and the phone doesn't need mobile data i think for the 149 pound um, 99 it's 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 a brilliant little unit for that price you know fantastic brilliant so as i said go to our website gpstraining.co.uk click on product reviews on the top menu bar and you'll see the garmin e-trex se review next thing on this month's gps training podcast is a gps gps in the hells what is this i thought let's quickly have a quick mention of how this fits into our, our training program and, and if you have been on the course with us how you need to take up this opportunity if people don't know we deliver two-day training courses around the country um and, and both andy and i travel around the country to deliver our two-day garmin gps training courses which is classroom based now don't get me wrong we go outside um and we deliver no i don't know i suppose half a day's outside i would say andy would you over the two yeah. days yeah uh, no maybe even further because on the saturday I'm outside um, for a good half day, I would say. Yeah. And then on the Sunday, out for another couple of hours. Probably yeah. a bit more than that. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's many classroom-based. We yeah. bring you yeah. in. You've got no knowledge. We build your knowledge up. We, we, I would say, yeah. we get the building blocks out, explain how, how GPSs work, so the, the terminology, and then we build up that knowledge on the first day. Second day, on Garmin Basecamp and route playing yeah. software. So you, you spend most of the second day inside exactly. working on the computer um, pad routes and that. Yeah. Yeah. So once you've been on the two-day course with us, you get actually get an invite into what's called GPS in the Hills. Now, this is just, I'm actually just delivered the last one, well, I'm delivering this weekend or last weekend when you listen to the podcast. I've delivered three around the country, one in the South Downs, one in the Lake District and one in Northumberland. And this is for people who have been on our two-day course. And it is exactly as it says on the tin, GPS in the Hills. So what we do is the, the week leading up to it, we do a route planning evening. So we do a Zoom call with people around the country, the six or seven people on the course and we do the route planning over zoom then they email them the gpx file they put that onto their gps units and then we just literally meet in the morning and we go out into the hills and it's a really good practical course and i've had some great feedback from various people that do it so we're not just going to do the like the basics of what we need to do at the start of the day is walking we look at other subjects as well we look at the different navigation experience a so part of it we navigate a route part of it we would navigate a track and then we navigate a course we do a track back so we learn how to get the gps to come take us back the way we've come but i've also um been doing a lot of emergency uh, discussing what to do in an emergency situation managing that emergency situation navigating in the dark and i've been looking at escape routes and this kind of thing and just overall planning and i think people have found this really useful a lot of people who are on this course often lead for groups you no know, either friends or or, or 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 other like other businesses and this kind of thing and they found this really useful like i've been I don't know, quizzing them during it. What we're going to do in this situation? What we're going to do in this situation? What information are we going to leave at home before we go? How do we brief that person left at home? What they should do with that information? And a lot of people in the feedback have really said this has been, I don't know, a great, um, a great uh, asset. Uh, to go away with it on the course. I know one person said, this is the best way for me to learn. Go out in the hills, you know, make mistakes. Um, you've got someone there to kind of help them. And, and it's been, a, yeah, it's, been a, it's a great success. Now, as I said, all the courses this year are all finished. So if you do fancy joining us next year, if you've been on the course with us, you will have received an email post-course from ourselves. And in there, there's actually a discount code. Because what we actually do is, what used to happen is we used to do this course and put it on our website. And because it's a one-day course and it's outdoors, it actually is priced a little bit cheaper than our 
um, two-day course um, half between two. But what happened was then people were booking on to have not been on the two-day course. So if you've now been on a two-day course with us, we give you a discount code which halves the price of this course. So on our website, it shows £158. But once you've been on a course, we give you a discount code and you then get, therefore, get it £79, you do. And uh, next year's courses are on the website, South Downs, 4th of October, Lakes, 18th of October, 2024, and Northumberland, 26th of October, 2024 so if you do fancy joining me next year hunt out the email that you got post on a post course uh, both a post attending the course sorry from, with, from either myself or andy and uh, get yourself booked onto that for next year because they do uh, sell out those uh, the, the gps in the hills course and it's a really good i say i've, I've really enjoyed it. i was over in the lakes last weekend doing the one in northumberland this weekend that's coming um and i've been down the south downs a couple of weekends uh, below doing and uh, people you, know, you get really nice group of people. You know, everybody seems to have the same ability and have good, good fun delivering it. So if you do want to find out more about this, just go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk and click on GPS Training Courses on the top menu bar. Next thing on this month's GPS Training Podcast is Basecamp Connect Explore, which is for what scenario? when using it alongside a Garmin handheld GPS unit. This has come about because actually, I've just done a series of videos on YouTube, and well Andy's done a series of videos on YouTube of transferring a GPX file downloaded from our Cheviot Round website it was. So Cheviot Round is a, a, an ultra event, um, which is uh, people can navigate themselves. It's a, it's a bit of a, Bit of a little hobby of mine, isn't it? This cheap it round. So it's um, and he's nodding because he's sick of me talking about it. So I've set up a cheap. I'm going to be doing it. He's going to set up a, 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 a round, which is a, a long distance route. Um, it's free of charge. You download the GPX file and then you go off and do it, and you time yourself doing it. You email us the GPX file or the course, and then you end up in a leaderboard and it's clockwise or anti-clockwise. So for this, for this. Um, Website. I said, Andy, Andy, can you do some videos of how to transfer the GPX file from the website to watches and handheld units? And you did six videos in total, I think, yeah? yeah. You did two we, on the... Yeah, we did some Garmin base camp ones, some Garmin app ones, and the Coros, and the Coros app for the Coros watches. Did two Garmin watch, two Garmin, two Coros watches, and two on Garmin yeah. base camp. And this guy put a really nice comment saying, I'm just totally confused. Which one should I be using? And I went... Actually, that's a really good question. So, Andy, do you want to quickly summarise what Garmin Basecamp is, what Garmin Connect and Garmin Explorers, then we'll go into depth. I use one or the other. Or you potentially other. can't use one or the other. So, Garmin Basecamp is a software that Garmin have that you put on a Windows or a Mac computer. On that software, it has a map screen that you use for planning routes. But when you haven't got a GPS device plugged into your computer... You can't really use it there's no maps on the screen the way it works is you bought a gps device with maps those are the maps you can plan on so if you bought a gps device office that had preloaded garments topo active europe maps you can plan on those maps if you bought a device and paid a bit extra and got an ordnance survey map card from us that goes in the unit you can then plan on those maps and um, nice thing is with the base cam software once you've got your GPS device connected, you don't need any internet access to use it. Yes, you downloaded initially using the internet, but once the program's on your computer, you can then, as long as you've got a GPS device with maps, plug it in and plan routes to send to your unit. And until a number of years ago, that was the only real way of 
getting you know, everything onto your GPS units. You know, yeah. that was I mean, it does, you know, that's its simplicity, but it does let you interrogate what's on your unit, delete things that are on your unit. There's other fancy things like creating proximity alarms. Um, you can trim things down easily. You can import big, long tracks or GPX files from websites where you can then check them and do lots of other things with them that may need to be done. I'll go into that a bit more detail when we go through why you might want use one or the other. But in a nutshell, that's, you know, it's, it's a software you put on a computer, but you do need a handheld GPS device that has a Garmin one that has maps on it, really, to be able to use it. Right, Garmin Connect. So Garmin Connect, briefly, what is Garmin Connect? Garmin Connect is an app that really came out predominantly to use with fitness devices, um, such as Garmin watches. Or, you know, we don't sell the cycle devices, but the Edge cycling devices. It was an app that meant if you did an activity, this is the main thing it got used for, you do an activity, say, on a Garmin watch, like a Phoenix Instinct watch, or, or your cycle unit, when you finish that activity, it would sync onto the app and you could view. You do need mobile data to use the app all of the time, to be honest. But with your mobile data, you could view where you'd been, loads of health stats. Um, I mean, fitness-wise with a watch, it's giving you all your heart rates, your calories, your steps, um, loads more metrics to do with more the fitness side of things. But that's the sort of data you tend to get off it. You can then use that same app to transfer GPX files onto a compatible device really quickly and simply but you do need a inter internet mobile data or internet connection on your phone even to transfer a gpx file over but it really came out like i say for mainly for the watches and the cycle units where there is handheld units which i know we're going to go into that will work with it as well and then finally the garmin explore which we've just been talking about in relation to the garmin yeah. SEM. so garmin explore app we think that initially came out because Garmin said, ah, we'll not be doing Basecamp anymore, we'll not be supporting Basecamp software, which has not happened. Um, loads of reasons why I think Garmin should definitely keep Basecamp software because a lot of the detailed maps we buy with our GPS devices, we want to be able to plan on those detailed maps. And I mentioned earlier, the Explore app, you just have Garmin's topo maps on there. You don't get your UK Ordnance Survey maps or your, just say for France, you might have bought a unit with Garmin, IGN, French maps. So what Explore is then, you probably, the clue is there, it's got, ah, it, sorry, the maps, sorry. So it's an app, again, you put on a mobile device. But normally it would be something you put on your phone, an iPhone or an Android phone. It will work on a, certainly works on an, an iPad, tablet. When you put that on your on your um, tablet or phone, you can download offline maps. Now that will depend on the size of the memory on your phone. You're not necessarily going to go and download the whole world, but you can download a certain area, then delete it, download another part of the world, delete it. So you basically download maps to the unit. And then when that's paired with the GPS device, we mentioned the eTrex SE is the best example I can give you. An eTrex SE that doesn't have maps on the screen, it means with a paired device like the eTrex SE, you can see yourself on a map on your phone with the, the location actually being transferred from the GPS device. But I think the main reason it really came out was was a, they were hoping that people would, um, sorry, that sounds a bit negative, hoping, because you, you, you can plan on it really nicely. You can use it to plan routes on, you can get it to snap to the road. So as a cyclist point of view, it's you know the maps would suffice and you can snap to the roads and then send that route to your unit. I can send a route like that to the SE. The only issue I have is, because the maps are getting better all the time, don't get us wrong, but they're not detailed like our ordnance survey maps. So you're always just going to be planning on a, 
a lesser detailed map. So you can use it for route planning offline, because once the maps are on your phone, you don't actually need internet to plan the route and send it to your compatible device. And at the same time, it actually does the same as the Garmin Connect app. You're not looking at fitness information, but you will get an activity synced back where you can see where you've been on a map, your distance and your speed and your elevation. So the basic sort of stats you would see after doing, say, a hike, you know. Right, okay, so let's work at the river. So let's, let's stick with Garmin Explore. When would you personally use Garmin Explore against the other two options? So the easy one for me first is I'll stick with the eTrex SE. The eTrex SE does not work with Garmin Connect and Basecamp software, yeah, you could plug it in, but you've got no maps on the device. So I don't see a reason for really using Basecamp software. So Garmin launched the SE with, it's compatible with the Explore app. So if you want to um, transfer a GPX file onto an eTrex SE, you're going to use the Explore app. You could transfer using Basecamp, but I think more, I think the way we're hoping people are going to go with the eTrex SE, which is shown in all our training videos, you can use the app for planning or importing routes you've planned on a more detailed app on your phone to send it to the device. And then when you've done a walk with the eTrex SE, you can see that information. Now, Garmin have some other products in their range that are also compatible with the Explore app. So it's like the newer range of Garmin units. Like, you know, it's quite a big range, really. It's like the GPS map 66s, 67s, the Montana 700 series. They're all compatible as well. And a series of watches. Now, off the top of my head, the watches we sell, the Phoenix watches and the Instinct watches, they're also compatible with it. So if we're saying, why would we use it over, say, the Connect or Basecamp? So I've mentioned why the SE doesn't have maps, so you can't really use Basecamp to plan. To me, with the other handheld units, if you've bought the handheld units like the 67, the 66, or the Montana 700 with maps, and you own a computer, potentially Basecamp software, you're then you're planning on those more detailed maps. That's the advantage, you know. But if you're not actually going to plan on the maps and you're using apps to plan on, because you don't, you know, not everyone likes Basecamp for planning. It can be a bit clunky. It's got a lot to it and that can sometimes overcomplicate it. So I suppose you could say if you're planning using other apps to, to do your routes, there's no reason why, yeah, you could use the Explore app to send them to the device. You may not be planning on the Explore app, the app's getting better all the time. The problems I had when it first came out, it was very slow transferring things across. It seemed to be a bit clunky. It's got better. It has improved, you know. Um, I'll maybe use one other example of a good product that we sell. We sell an Instinct, a Garmin Instinct watch that I suppose is like the black and white version of the eTrex SE. No maps on the watch. So with that in Instinct SE, you, you, you can sync data across from a map on the app and of course get a route on the app look at it yes it's not on the detailed map it might have been planned on, but you can still see it on a map before sending it over to the product but to me with the watches and the fitness devices the app isn't going to show any of your health stats and fitness data that we tend to want with the watches so <laughs> it's a bit of a gray area i think really with, with the watches i'd probably still be sticking with the garmin connect app i think the bit is if you've got a handheld device that's compatible with it and you don't own a computer. That's the easy way. So I hope I haven't overcomplicated that. You haven't got a computer, so you can't use Basecamp anyway. You've got a handheld device and you need to import GPX files that you might have planned on on, on an app that has detailed maps to get to your unit. Um, I think the Explore app would then get used, you know. And with those built-in maps, there's, 
it's a good um, addition to those black and white products, which are, as you mentioned, the Garmin Instinct 2, yeah. 2S, 2 Solar, yeah. and also this SE as well. So it's kind of quite early in the life. It's quite a new app in the Garmin world as well. So going forward, maybe we're going to see that involved more in the world of outdoor GPS units, isn't it? Yeah, and I think, you know, the app's got better. When it first came out, we got a bit frustrated with it. It was very slow transferring things across. I mean, I'm doing some tips later where I'm going to talk about the app and a few things we've learned that improve things, you know. Um, so that's the way I see it, where it sits. It's the person who hasn't got a computer, so we have to rule Basecamp out straight away. You've now got a product that works with both Connect and Explore. Let's use I don't know, GPS Map 67 as an example. If you want um, if you want to just simply transfer a route dead quick, you've got mobile data, um, you're not wanting to see it on a map, you've got maps on your unit, you may still stick with the Garmin Connect app because when you've got mobile data, I'll be honest, it does transfer them extremely quick. But if you want to see a little bit more information, a, a little bit of a reminder, where is this route again? What's the elevation data? Let's have a look at Because on the Garmin Connect app, it's a very basic map. So maybe on the Explore app, then yes, it's not the same as your own and survey map, but you're seeing it on a bit more of a detailed map before you then send it to your handheld device. So I'm kind of thinking, I'm imagining the person, you know, it's a bit of wild camping, he's off-grid, you know, created some GPX files and transferred them. It doesn't have that mobile phone network. You know, in the tents at night, this is potentially a way they can manage that trip a little bit better, isn't yeah. it? A bit more extreme, a bit more exploring. So you think most of these apps need mobile data to plan routes on them? So yeah. yes, you haven't got that detailed map, but you can still plan a route on the Explore app with no mobile data, as long as you've already trans you know, downloaded the maps before you come out. You can then save them into a what they call a collection, a folder on the app, and send it to the unit. Fantastic. <coughs> Moving on to Garmin Connect app. So this app that's been with us a number of years now and very much came, as you rightly say, from the watch uh, pedigree, didn't yeah. it? So I think anyone who owns like one of the Garmin watches, we sell the Phoenix Range and Instinct, it's more than likely the Connect app that you're going to use. It shows all your fitness stats, all your health stats, your calories, your sleep, your, your heart rate rhythms, your heart rate data, all of that information. I think really you tend to stick with the Connect app. If you've got a route that you've um, planned somewhere, you've been sent a route from um, some organisers to get onto your watch, as long as you've got mobile data when you're doing this, you can send it via the Connect app. There will be some customers who will use the Connect app to see all of the sync data and the fitness stats, but then they want to, they don't have a um, any other apps to plan routes on, they may potentially use the Explore app to plan a route on. But if I was honest, I think most customers with the watches tend to stick with the Connect app. Where you might use the Connect app with a GPS map 67, 66 or Montana 700 is you just want to simply transfer a route. Really, when, when you've got mobile data, so it's not the issue with where you've got no mobile data, which is the advantage of the Explore app. So you've got mobile data, you've imported a route into the Garmin Connect app because all it's doing, the, in, in a, the simplest way to explain it, the Connect app just says, oh, you want to send this to the device, send. Whereas the Explore app, I didn't mention this, but what the Explore app does, every time you pair it with the device, it's saying, oh, is there anything in this folder um, in the Explore app that you're using and that's not on the device. Oh, I assume you want to send it all to the device. And then what it does is look at your device and go, oh, those routes you've got on your device aren't in this folder. Yeah. I assume you want them taken off. And it, it can, it, it's going backwards and forwards of information. That's why it can be a bit slower sometimes. So I think getting a route on quickly onto a watch and you just want to get the route on, that's all you're doing. And also syncing all your fitness data you're more than likely to use the Connect app. And it's had a really good pedigree behind it. It's been with us a number of years, evolved, and actually it's, it's changed. The way we send 
what we call courses now to the GPS unit. It's far simpler, even though the last six months has changed, hasn't it? Yeah. I'll tell you one thing I stupidly forgot about on the Explore app, and it's just got me thinking. I'll just quickly mention this and before we move on to base camp, anyone who had an in-reach device, so like a, one of the devices that has the I at the end, the newer range, so this would be like the 66i, 67i, or the Montana 700 series that has the I at the end. The Explore app also had bits for setting up your messages and sending messages. So some customers with the I versions may be using the Explore app. We're not talking about this app today. I'm not going to overcomplicate it with a fourth app, but there is an app called Garmin Messenger now, which a lot of customers with in-reach devices have decided it's it's a simpler app just for doing messages on an in-reach device. So in theory, you could just use that now. But I don't want to, if there's customers out there already using the Explore app and thinking, I don't do anything Andy's just said there. It's because I've got an in-reach device. That's fine. Because within the Explore app, if you have got an in-reach device, it does have the section for sending messages. Brilliant. And that moves us nicely on to Garmin Basecamp, the oldest horse in the stable. The big thing for me with Garmin Basecamp is these apps are good. Yeah, you know, the, the Explore app's moved on a lot. You can import lots of GPX files to it. But what I've never found an app where I can do this really well. I can't, if I've got a website, I'll give you a good example here. We have a lot of um, customers out there who do, um, they'll download a GPX file for a trip they're doing abroad. It could be the Trans-European Trail if you're on a motorbike. Um, and it'll say, download the GPX file for Spain, for the UK. And that GPX file isn't just one track or one route. It's 30 routes and absolutely hundreds of waypoints. And the apps don't seem to really like that. Certainly the Garmin Connect app would get totally confused. The Garmin Connect app's great for importing a single route. But sometimes you don't know. You go on one of these websites and the GPX file's got multiple routes and tracks in it. Explore app, I have had work okay to a... In, sometimes it can crash it if there's too many. So Garmin Basecamp is great for someone who's importing multiple gpx files from websites you're not sure how they've been created you might have to make lots of changes because what garmin basecamp does really well is you can import in a gpx file that has 30 routes in it and hundreds and hundreds of waypoints you can then delete things you don't want you can amend you can trim you can cut it into sections split it down um, over the years, I'm sure you've heard me and John talking about terminology, about tracks and routes and what size you can put on a unit. Basecamp software lets you convert routes into tracks and tracks into, you know, yeah. it, it, it's got a lot more to it. You can print off, route, you know, you can create a route and then print off a map if you own a printer and then laminate that map with the route on it, things that you can't do on the app. So I think if you own a computer, and you've bought a GPS device handheld that has maps on it. So you wouldn't normally use Basecamp with a watch or the SE unit just because it doesn't have maps on it. So if you've got one of these other handheld devices that has maps on it, you've bought it especially, you know, Ordnance Survey maps. If you've got a little laptop, you could be away from home, little compact laptop, doesn't need internet connection to plan a route on the map that's on your GPS device. When you plug your GPS device in, you see that map on the screen of Basecamp. doesn't matter you've got no internet because it's reading the map off the GPS. You can then plan your route, amend it. Of course, if you're downloading GPX files from a website, you need to have internet access to do that. But if they're already in Basecamp software, you could still be away from home then amending them and trimming them and changing them if they're already within the software. Brilliant. 
it is worth getting to grips. If you've got the time and the patience to get to grips with Garmin Basecamp, it's a very powerful tool. No, people yeah. get overwhelmed because after they open it up and go, whoa. It's, it's, I always say it's like Photoshop of the photo editing world. You know, if you get your grips, your head into Photoshop, it's a fantastic, powerful tool. That's Garmin Basecamp. Because Andy just explained just some of the features that you can do. And there's so much flexibility. And I think the ability of, you know, like, I'm just thinking back to uh, June when Andy and I did the spine race. Um, they sent us a GPX file of the event. We opened up in Garmin Basecamp on my computer because my GPS was plugged in. It had all my pre-walks, all my, my recce's, yeah. and therefore I had the existing tracks on then that, and I could overlay the G, their GPX file on, and we could work out, oh, we're turning left there. We're doing that differently. And we could quickly compare it where on any of the other apps, we would not have been able to do that. I'll tell you what I managed to do that's really good. Sorry, what I've done that's really good. Now, I know on the Explore app, you can put in waypoints, but I've not seen a way to make them proximity alarms. I'll explain what they are in a second. Um, and I know on even on Garmin Connect, you can mark something for the watch, which is like shows you something coming up ahead. It's not quite a proximity alarm, but on the Connect app, it's extremely basic map, so it's really hard sometimes to work out where you're putting them. What Basecam software does really well, and it's just because John mentioned the Montaigne Spine, it's reminded me of what I did. When I did my Montaigne Spine Challenge on the first attempt, um, I remembered when I was doing it the second time this year and before when I was planning on Basecamp software, I remembered a couple of turns that I nearly missed. So I looked back at my original track and I could see bits where I missed the turn and was walking down a canal and then realized and turned back round. So what I did in Basecamp software is dropped a waypoint flag, called it right hand turn one, and then in Basecamp software, you can do these things called proximity alarms that work with the, the handheld units, not the Etrex SE, but work with like the 66s, 67s, didn't even mention the GPS map 65, Montana 700s. And then when you make it a proximity alarm, you can say, you can p pick the distance, so you can say 100 feet, 200 feet, 300 feet. And what happens on your GPS device when you enter that range that you've set, your device will alert you, beep at you, and on the screen will tell you you're arriving at whatever you've marked. So that was brilliant for the Montana. I marked all the feed stops that I wanted to stop at. Nikki's food bar, not that I was going to miss that on the main road, but I marked it in that Basecamp software does that really well, you know. There's a lot of power in there, isn't it? So, Bruce, yeah. I hope that very much has helped. So we've kind of quickly summarised the, when you would use Garmin Basecamp, Garmin Connect and Garmin Explore. And actually, we're going to be doing a video in the next, I'm going to say the next couple of months because we're well ahead ourselves at the moment video. So it's more than likely going to be December when we're going to do a video explaining and showing each of these in action. Next thing on this month's GPS training podcast is Andy's top tip. So sticking to the theme, Andy, I see we've got an Explore app top tip. So. so yeah, when we first started using the Explore app and I was trying to sync GPX files that I'd imported from websites or from um, organizers of events I was doing and I was getting very frustrated that they just did not seem to be syncing across to my GPS device. What I've sussed out is, so when you import a GPX file into the Explore app, it's dead easy to do. There's a little plus symbol on the map, import GPX. Whoever's created that GPX file, it could have been done as a route, which means someone's just sat on a map and went click, click, click and planned it. It could be a track recording that someone's done. That It's going to be more than likely one of those, you know. So when you import it into the Explore app, you can tell what it is by a little icon that appears next to it. So if it was done as a route, it'll be an icon that looks like two drawn pins. If it's someone's track recording, it's a footprint symbol. So when you import it into the Explore app, what I've discovered 
If you then convert it to something called a course, just to confuse us all, it's a terminology Garmin normally use for something that's been planned yourself on the app. But remember, you haven't planned these. This is when you import a GPX file into the app to send your compatible device like the eTrex SE. So what I found is if I import some, I'll use the Montane Spine as an example. So Montane Spine, I would always import it in sections, the full one's too big to work on most units, so they'll send you it in section one, section two, section three, etc. So I import them into the Explore app, and they're all shown as footprint symbols, so I know that tracks. So when I'm viewing each one individually, there's three red dots at the top right of the Explore app screen. When you touch on those three dots, one of the options is simply copy as course. So I go copy as course, and then, it's, it's now in as a course. Now, the course symbol is a little wavy line with two dots at each end. So once you've done that, I then go back to the original track I've imported, selected, and simply touch the three dots at the top and say delete, and now it's a course. The reason I'm doing that, what I was getting frustrated with, the tracks and routes seem to, they would sink across, but they seem to take forever. And I'd keep checking the device and go, they're not there, they're not there yet. And at the bottom of the screen on the app, it would be saying syncing tracks and routes. And then as soon as I change them to a course, they seem to go across much quicker. So that's my top tip. When you import a GPX file into the Explore app using the plus symbol on the map, if it comes in as the wavy line, which is a course, you're fine. But if it comes in with a footprint symbol or the two drawn pin symbol, just once you've saved it, touch on the three dots at the top, select um, copy as course, you then get it as a course, go back to the root of the track, so either two drawn pins or the footprint symbol, three dots top right and delete, just so you're not confused by having the two there, and then when you're syncing it, you sync across just the course, seems to go across a lot quicker. Brilliant, great top tip for that app. Garmin GPS Map 65S is your next top tip, Andy. So this will work, I'm pretty sure, on other devices as well. This is a world first. It's the first time I've ever done this tip. A lot of the time when I do tips, um, we do bring back tips that we've maybe done a year ago. Or if I'm getting asked the same question loads and loads on the tech support line, I go, oh, I better do that tip again. This is a tip that... I've never done before. Someone asked me a question today and I've been asked it many times before and I thought I'd already tried ways around this to get this thing to work, what the customer was asking me and not manage. So just to give you a gist of where this has come from, customer phoned me today and said, I've got a GPS map 65S unit off you. On a 65S unit, it's always recording your track. There's no stop or pause that we have on lots of other units, like even the eTrex SE has a, a pause to pause your track recording. So why, why you might, might you use that? So because the 65 series is always recording, we always say to customers, just before you start your walk, reset the trip and track data. Everyone does that. But you get that scenario where during your walk, you stop and you wanna go inside a building, have a look round. You found a nice pub. Want to stop for a pint, a glass of wine, cup of coffee, cup of tea, whatever. A nice old building to look round. With the 65 series, and it would be the same with things like the GPS Map 64, other units the top of my head would be the E-Trex 10s, 20s, and 30s. 30 series. Now, bear in mind, I've only tested this on a GPS Map 65 series, so I can't guarantee 100% it'll work on the other units, because I thought I'd done this in the past, and it didn't work. So anyone wants to try it, obviously let us know, but GPS Map 65 series, 100%, this has worked for me. So I'm about to go in this building, I can't pause the track. So when I go inside the building, what would then happen is 
if my GPS loses signal because it's got no view of the sky, especially if I'm an old, an old building with very thick walls, then the signal bounces around. You use a lot of battery, and when you come back out, you've got incorrect figures on your data boxes showing how far you've walked. You could turn your unit off, but then when you turn it back on when you come outside, because it just takes that little, you know, it's only a short time to get a signal. Sometimes then you get a funny figure appear as it's bounced around getting the signal. So what I've discovered is, this is on a 65 unit, and I'm sure other units will have the same setting, but you'd have to test it to see if it works. Just about to go inside the building, I'm going to put my unit in something called demo mode. So I'm basically on a 65, press my menu button twice, go to setup, which is at the very top, so dead easy. Go to system, which is at the very top. And in system at the very top is satellite system. And it'll say normally multi-GNSS on a 65. I press enter on satellite system and one of the options is demo. Change it to demo, press enter, and that's all I do. I can then quit right back out. I can go inside the building, could be a cafe, sit down, have a drink, look at the screens on my GPS, look at what I've been doing. But what it does, it stops the recording. I've tried it today. In the rain, <laughs> I've been outside, stops, the stop time stops, the um, accumulation of distance travelled, the timer, they all stop. The unit's still turned on, so I haven't turned it off. I come back outside, I start in the same place where I put it in demo mode, and I repeat the process. And once you've done it a couple of times, it's really quick. Menu button twice, setup, system, satellite system, and I take it out of demo mode, back to multi-GNSS, or if you've got a unit, GPS and GLONASS, whatever you had before, and that's it. And then the recording state instantly started again because that unit's always recording. And because it's not like a what I'd call a cold start, the unit's still turned on. The satellite signals are just like instant and you don't get any funny data. So I've only tried it with a 65 unit today or 65S would do the same um, and it worked perfectly. Brilliant. Great top tip. So if you are going to stop for any period, as Andy said, to nip into a pub or something during your walk um, with this unit, what with the GPS map 65, let's say, Try it with these other units and let us know how you get on. Just go into setup, let's put it into demo mode, and then when you come back out, switch the satellite system back on, and it should pick up exactly. Don't forget to put it back on when you come back out. Make sure it's out of demo mode, otherwise you'll miss the rest of your walk. But it's the same if we pause a unit, we've got to remember to unpause it on the ones that do do that. That's brilliant. If you want more top tips, don't forget there's lots in the online resource site, our online training platform. Just go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk, and click on online resource on the top menu bar. So many thanks for joining us on the latest GPS training podcast. If you like anything, if you'd like anything covered in future episodes, please do get in touch. And if you can give us a a, a like and, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to, it is always very much appreciated. So Andy, many thanks for quite a nice in-depth um, podcast. I think we've been yep. doing a lot of work recently about our reviews and things. It gives us a bit of time just to think about the products at more yep. length and the best ways to use it, isn't it? We're learning all the time. But, you know, we use the products ourselves and you pick up things all the time and new things to try. And you're heading away this weekend to Gloucester for a GPS training yep, course, Gloucester aren't you? Gloucester show this weekend, yeah. And then uh, we've got one here in Northumberland. Last one of the year in Northumberland a couple of weeks after, yeah. Very good. And then a bit of a break over December and off we go again in January so if you can join either myself or Andy one of the GPS training courses we do around the country please do we do them from South Downs New Forest all the way up to Scotland and everywhere in between it'd be great if you could join us so many thanks again Andy for joining us on the latest edition the 90th edition of this month's GPS training podcast thank you
Thanks for listening to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation. Thank you.